welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us today and contributing thoughts and experiences about your own journey. My privilege. So you identify with point nine. And when you discovered that you were a type nine, what was it about that type that you learned and worked with that made the greatest impact and had the most transformational effect on your life? The most transformational effect has come from watching three different themes. The merge, my resistance, and ongoing experiences of a love and the unity that is the highest side of nine. So watching my merge gets more and more subtle, but it's there. I can find it every week. Watching my resistance in my body when I feel a tightness, um, inevitably I am resisting an emotion or resisting an idea or a, a a forthcoming person, and it can be so subtle, but if I listen to the tension in my body, I will catch that first level of defense, get tight. And then these unbidden experiences where you feel an effortless unity, Mm. which really encourages me and I think others to keep walking that path of understanding our type. Mm -hmm. So that's really um, quite a good architecture that you've brought there about sort of the the behavior that comes, you know, that happens, the merge, and then sort of the inner resistance and then what's underneath the, the essential quality of you and of all nines and, of course, of the nine and all of us. Can you just say a little bit more about the merge, you know, what you experience about that, what's the the motivation behind it? The first moment of transformation began while I had read about nines for a few years in books. In my first class, someone in an informal conversation very kindly said, yes, I do think you're a nine. And I said, well, how do you know? He said, I asked you about your life. Tell me about you. And you told me about your son, your daughter, your husband, your work, and your husband's work. But there was something missing. There was, I was not part of that. And I realized, where am I? And now, if I speed up almost 15 years later of dedicated seeking to understand this process. The merge might be with an idea or a person, and I don't see that I'm giving up my side. It it may take me a long time or a short time to say, I'm afraid to be different. And underneath that is a a fear of separation that still is um, fundamental maybe be experienced less, but that fear of separation, of conflict, of losing the unity, uh, well, what I think is unity, losing the connection 
and the sense of, I'll call it attachment, where I feel secure with something that is a positive outreach um, is still frightening to me. Mm. So the resistance then is also the fear that you, if you open up to this a new idea or a new way of being or whatever it is, that, that somehow you will lose that attachment. Or lose, um, or be overwhelmed. It could be lose the attachment. I use that word pretty carefully, I think, uh, what it means. But sometimes it's not about, it could be fear of attach, loss of attachment, absolutely. But it's also don't overwhelm me. Mm. Um I heard Richard Rohr once say, everything you experience, I think, in the body type, it's like, he said one, but I'd say in the whole body center, it's like a blow coming at you. You have to, I have to stay stable and breathe and realize I can open to whatever unexpected or new or is here, whether I like it or don't like it, can I open to it and not say, wait a minute, I'll let you in on my own terms. But relax and say, oh, you're here now. What is? Who are you? Let me be curious. Or what are you? Wonderful. So, Linda, if you could give people who want to have good relationships with type nines, friends, um, significant others, children, parents, any of it, what would be the one piece of advice that you might give them that you would want them to understand about nines and about building a good relationship with nines? It starts with a way of showing full respect and attention, which from that can give a nine space to find their own timing and and then from another encouraging and noticing, both encouraging the energy of the person that's expressing the nine point and reflecting that energy. So when there's space and a genuine interest and a reflection of what's arising, I think it helps the nine, uh, supports that nine's arising energy and I think it supports the nine finding focus to express, feeling more grounded and focused to express what they want to say, what any of us that are caught in the nine dynamics might want to say. Mm. And then it sounds like, of course, they're more present, more they show up more, and the relationship can be richer because they can bring more of themselves to the relationship. Yes, so I think the other is creating by showing a willingness to be present. It it creates that space for the nine energy to appear. And I, ideally, as a nine, speaking from that part of me, you don't want to have to be dependent on that. But it still facilitates our arising some kind of support from the environment or the other person. Of course, and, you know, in conscious relationships, though, obviously the main part of it is to develop ourselves so that 
we are showing up in relationship in conscious relationships, we do want to support the health and awakening of an unfolding of the other, so we we do be aware of these things that will be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's not just for those in, at the point on, of nine, but but it's so true. I think for most nines, and remembering that there's a, a the energy of a Harley Davidson <laughs> inside of a nine, ready to roll out and be flower for you or the world. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So lastly, Linda, what would you just like to say to your fellow nines around the globe? I would like to say that we must deal with our shadow in the most committed way. And why do I say that? Because the world needs the energy of the nine right now, right here. Anytime that we can bring stability to a situation by that innate capacity to just uh, absorb the energy and and then the, the nine's capacity to see unity and then so why do we need to and then the nine's capacity to relax into that unity and see an inherent love orchestrating the universe but that capacity under expands within us each time we find another piece of our own resistance hate anger disgust so when we can go deeply into that and release it that gives us more flexibility and less resistance to the pain and the uh, discombobulation of the ecological and the political events in our world right now. And the nine, the world needs that energy. So that would be my prayer, that we nines realize that we are at the top of the circle, that we we embrace that capacity of awakening for all all people all types and that we do our work of um embracing our shadow and enlisting people to help us do that so that we show up more and more with greater spaciousness and stability and unity may it be so very inspiring, Linda. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today. And for your invitation to all of us to do that. Take care, Jessica. So welcome, Sandy. Thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to hearing your thoughts and experiences about your transformational journey with the Enneagram. So you identify as point nine when you discovered that what is it about that that you learned that has had the most impact and transformational effect on your life well i think um 
probably the most important learning was that nines have this tendency to dissociate when they're in a stressful situation. And um, I can say in my own life, the, the recognition that that's what I was doing was, was just very powerful for me because internally it uh, often felt like I wasn't dissociating. I was just sort of standing above what was going on when in, in reality I was, um, you know, creating a little bubble around myself to protect myself. So as you notice that, Sandy, and it sounds like you were able to change that, can you t- say a little bit about what began to change and how how you noticed that affecting things like your relationships or your work or, or just mm-hmm. the quality of how you experience life? Yeah, I, you know, I guess it, it became a kind of practice, um, you know, to notice when I would dissociate and, um, and then instead of turning away from whatever it was that felt stressful or confrontational, turning toward it and being present to it and, um, you know, and then finding through that process that the people that I, I, I was engaged in, whether it's in my personal relationship or work relationships, um, were actually responding in a very favorable way to that. Um, and that the, the pathway to eliminating the stress and eliminating uh, any sense of threat or confrontation was actually by turning toward it, moving toward it, and being present to it in a very real way. So I think it would be really important for nines to hear about how you were received in a favorable way. Like what were the kinds of responses and reactions that you were getting from people that let you know that this was actually something they welcomed? Sure. Well, you know, uh, I mean, a very close-to-home example is in, um, you know, my, my marriage personal relationship and um, so responding by turning toward rather than turning away, you know, being present, asking questions about what was actually going on um, was actually what my partner really needed from me. And, you know, and this is a pattern in all of my previous relationships. that that dissociation, the turning away, the withdrawal um, actually would aggravate the situation with them so that they felt like they weren't being heard or acknowledged. And so, you know, in my marriage, turning toward my wife, when we have um, something that is stressful or, you know, for me, or uh, presents some conflict and, and addressing the issue head on, not in a confrontational way, but just honestly and directly feeds her. Uh, and so then she responds and, you know, can be uh, less reactive and we're able to work through those issues um, rapidly and, uh, and just in a very healthy way. Is that helpful? Yes, it is. And I assume mm-hmm. that you also notice similar things with 
professional relationships and friendships. Of course. Absolutely, yeah. Wonderful. So speaking of relationships, if you could give a piece of advice to people who are interested in enhancing the quality of their relationship with nines and really bringing a greater level of well-being to a relationship with a nine, what would you uh, what would be the piece of advice you would give them? Mm-hmm. So, I would say uh be uh, really attentive uh to what that the nine person I mean of course this would depend on what type you are but uh being being really attentive to what the what the nine is responding to. So you know a classic pattern for the nines is to say yes even when they mean no uh, because they don't want to upset the apple cart. Uh and they're trying to avoid confrontation and stress. And so really paying attention and maybe taking the time to to do a second level of inquiry. It could be something really simple. You know, it could be as simple as like, um, you know, where do you want to go on our date? Uh and the nine will always, you know, unless they're they're a really healthy nine, they will default to whatever it is that you want to do. And so just taking the time to dig in, inquire, you know, watch watch for visual cues in the nine about the you know when when they're responding to a, a request to see if um, if they are answering honestly and kind of digging in, uh, you know, to see if you can you can identify what it is they really want. What would you like to say to your fellow nines around the globe? Um, I would say that uh, you know to to really work on um, to work on your courage uh more than anything else and and by that i mean um to allow yourself to know what you know and act on it or speak it uh even though your tendency is to not do that even though you, you, your heart might be in your throat and you and you want to pull back to speak out because yeah, that's really that's really the pathway to growth you know is to living into your own um your own knowing, your own uh, your own radiance, and uh, um, you know, and allowing yourself to shine, uh, and that's a very difficult thing for nine. So, uh, and so it's I guess practicing courage. And courage doesn't mean the absence of fear; it just means the willingness to act in spite of that fear. Mm. It's interesting because you're sort of, um, by the words that you're using, you're pointing to the two other points on the triangle, the inner triangle there, which radiance with type 3 and courage with type 6. So you're really Mm -hmm. talking about integrating, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Sandy, thank you so much. This has really been helpful, and I, I know that many people will appreciate it. So many blessings on your journey. Thank you, Jess.
Welcome, Kat. Thank you so much for being here with us and sharing something about how the Enneagram has helped you in your journey of growth and well-being. You identify as point one. What was it that you learned about Enneagram type ones that has had the most impact and transformational effect on your life? I think, you know, it's one of those things where you just are going about your life and you think however you're going about your life is just who you are and and how the world is in a certain way. And ever since I was a really little girl, I was driven by a desire to do right. Uh, And I think it wasn't until I discovered the Enneagram that I really understood first that not everybody is like that. and it was in, in reading about the one that I, I came to understand at a much deeper level um, that underlying drive to be good and that fear of somehow being bad and that those underlying currents uh, were really affecting how I interacted in the world. And when I could really see those for what they are and step outside of that, it, it, it really released me. Uh, to be freer in the world and to respond in in more authentic ways in a certain way. Um, and in doing so, to really discover that it wasn't a prescribed way of doing something that made me good. It was just um, my own innate goodness. Mm. Can you say a little bit more about your own innate goodness, what it was like to contact that, how it changed the feeling of your day-to-day existence? I think it was, I I think there was a a coming to love love myself in a deeper way and to to love all the raw edges. Uh, A a really dear friend of mine who was so wise uh, once talked to me and and he said, and this was before I knew about the Enneagram or anything, but, but said to me, uh, you know, it's really uh, people's flaws that are so lovable. Uh, that perfection is not necessarily lovable. Perfection is perfection, but it's actually the flaws that are so lovable. It's, you know, the gap in somebody's teeth or uh, that they have a funny laugh or whatever. Those are the, the things that make us human and make us unique. And so so there was something about discovering discovering about the one and, and looking at myself uh, more gently and and coming to love those raw edges and loving those those parts of myself that actually were the things that made me lovable, um, that that was uh, really freeing uh, and really uh, a, a beautiful experience. Mm. And you said that in that freeing, you felt that you were more authentic after that. Oh, I was going to say I, I, yes. I think that's true. You know, I think the ones are so. We're so driven by our super ego, and and somewhere along the way, we we lose sight of our own voice. You know, we we or at least I did. You know, I I think that that there's like I said, there's this kind of vision of the ideal and vision what's right, and and you have those voices in your head, that super ego telling you how things should be, uh, and you you know, there's always a sense of never being able to measure up, but. Uh, when that was released, there was a, a, an opportunity to really listen to my true voice. It's, it's taken me a long time to to get rid of all those other voices and actually listen to that 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 voice that started off 
in some ways a whisper and, and has become louder with time. Uh, and in, in listening to that, uh, it, that's what feels more authentic. It's, it's actually my voice. It's actually me responding to the world authentically. Mm. And I'm just curious, when you felt that authenticity, or as you've continued to feel it, did you find more dimensions of yourself than you had known before? Oh, I think definitely. I, I, definitely. I, I think, you know, I, I may really laugh about this, but it, it is the truth. Like growing up, you know, what I wanted to be when I grew up was a saint. And I, and I, and I mean that truly. Um, but but that there is kind of a one-dimensionality of that, um, that there is just acting rightly and goodly all the time. Uh, and, and when I was really allowed to release myself from that, uh, to discover uh, the way you're saying it, you know, all these, these other dimensions, uh, to discover the fun side of myself or the messy side of myself or the angry part of myself, um, you know, to allow all of those voices, all of those emotions, all of what actually makes me uh, was, was, was certainly much more dimensional. Yeah, it's interesting that you were saying that you found the messy side of yourself and the um, fun side of yourself because those are the two lines, of course, from one or seven and four. So mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you know, you were really, yeah, yeah, really opening up to a less fixated way of being. Mm-hmm. So, Kat, if you were to give one piece of advice to people, about how to create a healthy relationship with type 1s, what would that be? I would say to be compassionate towards type 1s. I think 1s have a really hard path. Uh, you know, I, I oftentimes think that 8s and 1s, although they're so different, um, can, can come across similarly in the sense that they can be controlling or come across that they're right. And I think people often give eights a pass that they kind of just shrug and go, ah, that's how he is, or ah, that's how she is. And yet there's something about the quality of ones um, that people feel really judged by. (laughs) And so I think they respond in kind. And it becomes this uh, cycle of, you know, I think ones get responded to in that way, which only makes them more rigid because they don't feel like they're doing it the right way. And then the more rigid they are, people respond in kind and, and, uh, it's, it's, it can be really detrimental. And so I think if people really understand that ones are trying so hard, <laughs> um, they can be a little bit more compassionate towards them. And uh, in doing so, it, 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 it creates more spaciousness, I think, for the ones to, to be that multidimensional person um, that we were just talking about. It, it allows for them to let down their hair a little bit. Um, but I, that's what I would mm. say, to be compass- compassionate and gentle towards the ones. Wonderful. You know, I once heard a panel of ones and this beautiful moment when one of them said, don't, what we really want you to understand is, don't you know that when it seems like we're criticizing you that it's just because we love you? (laughs) And it was just this beautiful moment. We all started crying, you know, and it's like, I just love that you're bringing the the tenderness of the real love that ones try to bring to the world, to the conversation. Yeah. So having said that about the world, Kat, uh, there are many people around the globe that will hear this 
in various ways over the next few years. What would you like to say to your fellow ones around the globe? Well, I think it goes to everything that we've just been talking about, is this kind of idea of progress, not perfection. And that, you know, I I think right now there's so much that's going on in the world. And if you look at, you know, all the famous ones (laughs) in history, uh, uh, ones are reformers and ones are change makers. And so there's such an opportunity, I think, to, to do that right now and such a need to do that right now. But as individual ones, I, I think that the only way that we can really do that is to embrace ourselves fully. Uh, like I said, what, what we were just talking about is, is when we are able to actually have fun, when we are able to have balance, when we are able to embrace ourselves fully and, and be multidimensional, uh, we actually bring so much more to the tasks at hand. Uh, I, I, I really have been, uh, it's been interesting over this last year to um, be looking at Hillary Clinton as just one example of a one um, and and so much criticism that she's so often given about being stiff or um, not having much personality or very rigid and and it's been actually quite lovely since the election i I feel like she has let her hair down and and in some ways is making more of an impact now um, because she's speaking so freely and she's she's uh, having more fun. Uh, and so I think that there's a lesson in that for all of us ones of, of that it's really when we embrace our full selves that we are able to bring our full selves um, to changing the world. Mm. A wonderful um, way to culminate this about, because that, of course, is what is at the heart of everyone is the desire to change the world. So thank you for that beautiful suggestion. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being with us here today, and I wish you many blessings. Same to you.